Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You all know this verse, but I'm going to explain a couple things to you real simply. We'll look at the first, the few verses there. Actually, we'll just look at some of the first verses in Romans chapter 8. Got to know this, because if you don't, the devil will beat you up. He's the accuser of the brethren. Remember this when we start this. The mind is the battleground. He comes with fiery darts. Ephesians chapter uh, 6 talks about it. To hold up the shield of faith which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He sends thoughts in our minds. Thoughts of lust. Thoughts of greed. Thoughts of discouragement. Thoughts of bondage. All these things start in the battleground of your mind. Remember that. Guard your mind and your heart because they are the place where he'll hit you hard. Do not accept things that are not what God would speak. Okay? We cannot afford to accept things in our minds that is not of the mind of Christ. Is that right? Got it? We cannot if afford to do that because once you accept those things and you start mulling them around, you'll get depressed immediately because he is here to depress you, to keep you off your game, so to speak, and living for Jesus. So don't think the thoughts that are not from God. Don't, don't mull them around. It's one of the greatest things you can do to have the victory when you walk in Jesus because he will hit you. That's where the battleground is. That's what he... He hits. He, he pounds you about you'll never make it. <laughs> you're a terrible Christian, and you're not working hard enough. That's one of the things he's saying. You're not doing enough for this salvation that you say you have. He'll make you or try to make you doubt your salvation. He will, uh, he will try to make you doubt your standing with God. He'll do all of those things. Because for one thing, remember, those people who are not believers... They're already in his camp. He doesn't have to worry about them. But for believers who will, are seeking the Lord and wanting the fullness and wanting more of God and wanting to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that's to the people that he attacks and he hits you because he does not want you to be effective in your witness. He does not want you to speak of Jesus and your life and what he's doing. He wants to keep you from doing that. And he starts right here. Now, this scripture is a real, obviously, word for all of us when we read it. I'll read a few verses of it in verse 1 of Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in his likeness, in the likeness of a sinful man, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. You can read on, but I'll just stop there. In the first seven chapters, we see here, of Romans is that we uh, the great exchange that occurred at the cross. Jesus took my place, took my place and your place on the cross. We are deserving of death. 
He took our sins upon him. Your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world. He took it when he went to Calvary. There was a great exchange that took place when he went to the cross. Because there God placed our sin on Jesus so that he could justly give to us Christ's righteousness. He has imputed, is the theological term, or imparted, I say, deposited or given to us, Jesus' righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's Jesus. He gives it to us and all who will believe and call upon his name. And I've mentioned the wonderful truth is when, G when God Almighty sees you, he sees you just like he sees his son Jesus. And you go, oh my goodness, you don't know what I even did this morning. How could that be? It's because it's not about what you've done or what you can do. It's about what Jesus has done and it has been completed. It's been done. When he said it's finished, it's over. I've done it. I've taken care of it. I have fulfilled that, all those things, the requirements there of the law. And so the right standing before God is, is given to all who receive it by faith. And it is a gift of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The judge of all the earth has ruled on the matter. And he read, we read from his decree in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall, have, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. And that is the good news of the gospel. Not only that you have a home in heaven, that you've been made a new creature in Christ. You are righteous in the eyes of God because of that great exchange that occurred at Calvary. And in the here and now, you can live in victory. Now, appropriating this into our daily lives may be more challenging than what we realize. As a new creature in Christ, we passionately want to please our Heavenly Father. He shed His own love abroad in our hearts, and we set out to do the will of God in our lives. And then, if you'll look right above chapter 8 of Romans there, in Romans chapter uh, 7, verse 15, look at what he says. For what am I doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate to do. If you think about it, you know, you're like, boy, I'm willing to do the will of God, and I want to please the Lord, but... It's like, I'm doing the opposite here. What's going on? And so Paul kind of follows through with that, and then he comes to the place there, uh, right at the end of chapter 7. He says this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And then he gives the answer that we all need to hear. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'll say it real simply today. You cannot become holy on your own efforts. You cannot please God in that respect by your own efforts and your own strivings. Because I believe today when we see I don't do what I know I should or what I want to do, and I do do those things that I know I shouldn't do, and there is, and he says, oh, I give up, oh, wretched man that I am. 
Who is going to deliver me? And then he gives the answer. And so the thing that I want to say today, I believe that a lot of church members are in that struggle. They've, they've tried to, to, to somehow overcome these habits and maybe these things in their lives and so forth. And, and, and they've been unsuccessful. Why? It's because they try harder and harder and harder and harder. And you just get obviously more tired and more tired and more tired. You can't do it. And so the first thing that you need to do here as far as how can we truly live the life that God designed me to live, that God has ordained me to live, and that first thing that you can do is acknowledge that only Christ can make it happen. It is God's divine influence through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and your life that will make it happen. Acknowledge, I can't do it, Lord. I'm tired. I've tried to work this out. I'm doing things that I don't want to do. And I'm not doing the things that I believe I should do. And I'm struggling, Lord. Begin by saying, I surrender it to you. I acknowledge there's no way I can do it. Only Christ in me can do it here. And my dependence upon the Lord. You see, I believe that man's prideful heart, that if he didn't come to that place, he somehow would take credit for the fact that, oh, I can deliver myself. I can do it. I can fulfill all these things that God's calling me to do. No, you can't. And the enemy says, just try a little bit harder. Why don't you just try a little bit? And you look at the world somehow, and you see the world is doing it that way, and we join in. Acknowledge that you can't do it, and only Jesus through you can do it. The second thing is that you can do is recognize the right standing you have before God because of Jesus. Now, therefore... There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. What's that mean? If you're a believer, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The devil will, obviously, is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that he goes before the throne of grace, God's throne, before right in the presence of God there. And he accuses you and me. Oh, look at what he did. He blew it again. He, he asks forgiveness. He said he was sorry. But look, he did it again. Look at him. Look at him. And then the devil comes to you. And you know what? You have somehow sinned away God's grace. Somehow you've fallen away. Don't get me wrong. There are consequences to sin. But there is no condemnation for anybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ. Does that mean you're living a perfect life and so forth? Or maybe you've lived one? No, not at all. But what it means is the fact is that you are not condemned. You've got to know that because if you feel like you're condemned and you feel somehow you've out God's grace, then you will never be the witness that he desires for you to be. You will live in agony For all of your days, you've got to realize Jesus came to set you free. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Those who receive Christ by faith are declared not guilty by God. In Romans chapter 4, it says, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. If you're in, in Christ Jesus... God will never count any sin that you have committed in some one way or another to separate you from 
God's love, Romans chapter 8, the end of the chapter. Paul said, I'm convinced nothing will separate you from my love. So you're not condemned. So if you've come in here this morning and somehow you're thinking, oh my goodness, I blew it this past week. Or maybe somehow you said, I didn't quite do enough for God. Or maybe I didn't read my Bible as much as what I really wanted to. Or maybe I didn't pray like maybe I should have been and so forth. And you have on you a spirit of condemnation that is not from God, from the devil. You've got to be free from it. You can confess it to him and move on. The enemy wants you to wallow in your sorrow. We have to realize that. Because we look back, remember, when you live in that life of regrets that's already under the blood, you look back and you say, I wasn't the father that I should have been. There were mistakes as a father that I've made, and that is true. Or maybe as a mother, there are mistakes that you've made. Maybe your children have not turned out the way. Maybe you had envisions and so forth and so forth and all these things. And the enemy will come in there and he will begin to bring condemnation. If your Christian life today is not what it should be, then, then uh, what you feel like in one way or another, and maybe you've kind of drifted from the Lord, and maybe you, 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 you know, you're just not seeking the Lord like you would like to and so forth, then begin today and make that change. But again, even with that, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You said the word, therefore, There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. What he's referring to is the first seven chapters of Romans. He's explained the way of salvation through those first seven chapters. And then he says, therefore, all these things I've just talked to you about and taught you, you're not condemned. Isn't that good news? Oh, wow. That is good news. I'm not condemned. The enemy says you are, and he accuses me, the Bible says, day and night. And trust me, he works in your mind. He tries to put guilt back on you. He tries to put shame back on you. Remember, when God's Spirit, you've sinned, okay, say you stumble and fall, then the Holy Spirit will come and specifically name that sin that you have uh, committed, and he will give you the grace to be able to repent and turn back to him. When the enemy accuses you, he speaks in generalities. He just says, you're just terrible. You'll never make it. He does not put his, obviously, he doesn't provide a way out. God's Spirit does by confessing. Just confess it. You're forgiven, but if you want the relationship with the Lord to open back up, just confess it. If we confess our sins, the Bible says he's faithful. God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But we're not condemned. If you're here today and you've accepted Christ in your life, then you are not condemned. You're headed to heaven today. You're headed to heaven. If something happens, it looks like to me it's lightning. If something would happen and the lightning would come down and something would happen, God forbid, then you're going to heaven. You're not condemned. The enemy says you blew it. And you'll never, you'll never be able to come out of it. You know, old-timers say, how do you come out of this? You plead the blood. Plead the blood. You know what I plead? I plead the blood of Jesus around this church every day and upon every life in this church. I plead the blood of Jesus around my family, around different, obviously, convictions that I have of people or maybe 
particular churches and so forth. But I plead the blood over this church every day. Plead the blood around you. The enemy will not be able to get a hook in you and begin to tell you these lies. And, and he is the father of all lies. He lies and lies and lies. You want to say something? Make that declaration in the morning that I am a child of God. There's a song out that I am no longer a, a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. Declare that every day. Get up when you get ready to get out of the bed and declare that. Make that declaration. Because I want to tell you today, the warfare is going on at night, certainly. But the warfare is going on, certainly, when you get up in the morning and you put your pants on, your dress on, or whatever, and you get ready to go out, and the warfare starts. Because he knows, obviously, that he's in trouble because of believers like you going out into the world, making a difference. Listen to the ministry that's taking place in this church. That's the grace of God. I praise him for it. Look at the ministry. Look at the prayers that are going up in this place today for people, for particular things and situations. Look at the prayers. Hallelujah. It's God doing it. And the enemy says, I'm going to put a stop to that. As more and more people are coming out of his camp and coming into God's kingdom. Amen. That's happening, folks. I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm not just saying it. This is not preacher talk. I'm telling you, I see it happening. There are people. I talked to a guy yesterday, and he had left the area for, for uh, seven, five, six, seven years. I didn't, I, he looked familiar, and he said, you remember me? And uh, I, I said, yeah, you look familiar. And he told me his name. He said, I, he said I, I've, I've got to come back to the Lord. I, he said, I, my, I, my life is not right. I've, I'm coming back to the Lord. And, and I've got to come back. And he began to thank the Lord for, for obviously. He evidently, in those five years, he had strayed away from the Lord. And now he's coming back. You know people like that? You know your neighbors? You know your neighbors you can begin to pray for? I believe there is like a window of grace that's open over this country right now. I believe that God is saying, pray for your neighbors. I have two neighbors. I know they're not, I, I'm pretty sure they're not saved. I know the neighbors on one side, the ones about my car situation. I won't go into that again. <laughs> Y'all have heard that enough. <laughs> Y'all prayed for me. I've come out of that bondage. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jim's free from that. <laughs> and I didn't want to give grace, but God said give it to him anyway. And I did. And I received experience, freedom. Not worried about it. They could put... I want, if they could park every car from Gulf Freeway in front of my house right now, I would say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray for your neighbors because they need Jesus in their lives. You know, we're moving into a time that's very serious. The killings that are going on, we see this now on a weekly basis, it seems like, doesn't it? We see people who are uh, possessed by evil. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for those, obviously, families that have lost loved ones. The second thing here is, obviously, is again, is to keep that remembrance of your standing in Jesus Christ. The third thing here is rely upon the influence of the Holy Spirit in you for the victory. In uh, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death here. The influence of the Holy Spirit. The, the principle of sin is present to pull us down. But the life of Christ is in us through the Holy Spirit, and it makes us free, pulls us up. The sin will pull you down. 
there's pleasures of sin. You know, I've been really reflecting upon Hebrews chapter 11 where how Moses um, kind of looked at things and how did he persevere? Why did he leave Pharaoh's court where he was super rich and, and had all those things, you know, the, uh, the things that uh, were there, the amenities that could be said and so forth and, and so forth. And the Bible says that he saw him, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible or was invisible. In other words, in his heart, something was propelling him to say there's a higher calling that I'm called to. There's a higher purpose here than me just experiencing the pleasures of what this world has to offer. A lot of people today are stuck in the fact that they're somehow pursuing the pleasures of this world and they love the world and the things in it. But what's happening today is God's giving them a sour taste for the world. Does that make sense? God is giving them a sour taste for the world. And they're beginning to say, this is not working. This is not satisfying. I need satisfaction. I need hope today because I have no hope. You and I have the hope that we can have. We cannot give, remember, what we don't have. But you have hope. You have Jesus if you're saved today here. And you can give them that. You can give them that hope in your heart. And so we've got to rely upon the influence of the Holy Spirit to be able to go through and be able to do this today. Uh, declare over this day. I, I will rely upon the Holy Spirit of God. Make a declaration. Your words are powerful when you speak those words. Make that declaration over today. In verse 3, it says, What the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did. God did this. It wasn't through human effort here. What was the weakness of the law? And Paul had already said in the previous chapters that the law is good and holy in Romans 7 and Galatians 3. There's nothing wrong with the commandments of God. The problem is this. Human flesh is not able to do what it requires. The natural man is powerless to obey the law, so no one can be justified by keeping the law because no one can keep it. And that's why God sent His Son to die on the cross to provide a way of righteousness by faith that is effectual. That's why He did it. We are not able. There's nothing wrong with that law, the commandments. We need to, but we cannot do it and strive in our own strength. It has to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be His Spirit. The outcome of God's plan of grace in Romans 8, verse 4 here. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Here is the prevalent error in the church today. You've got a vast majority of Christians living in Romans chapter 7, being overcome by their sinful nature instead of reaching the point of desperation and breakthrough that God talks about, or Paul talks about, at the end of chapter 7. They justify the state of defeat. They say, I'm defeated. And God says, you can't do it in your own strength. That's why he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to be with us. You can't do it. And there's a struggle there. And, and I believe, that obviously, after we share these things, I'll be tested on this next week, all right? Trust me. Maybe you will be too. But we trust and lean upon the Holy Spirit of God 
He gives us the strength that we need. So what are the righteous requirements of the law? Jim's, Jesus summed them up, up the law and prophets with two commandments here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 22. The end objective of the law is love. Listen to this because it's already been spoken here in this testimony earlier. In Romans chapter 13, it states this real well. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witnesses, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> it's all summed up there. So if we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, then what does that mean about loving other church folk? Hmm? You see, why is the devil trying to tear families apart? Why is the devil trying to tear churches apart? Why is the devil doing that? It's because it's foundational to what God's word says. And anything that God says, you remember, the devil will always distort it. He will try to distort miracles. He will obviously, and he will many times, distort. He comes in and puts just a little bit of twist and turn to it to where it's not in, no longer, it, it's tainted. It's not the truth, the pure truth. He takes God's word that way. And remember, surely God didn't say this because once you ate of the fruit, then obviously you'll know you'll be God. And that's what happens today. Surely he didn't say that. That's what he tells us. When you read God's word, you say, golly, Dave, this is hard. Remember when they, Jesus had his disciples and a large crowd was following him. And he says, you've got to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood to really to, to follow me and so forth. Remember the people there, the large crowd said, man, this guy has got some really hard sayings. I, I don't like this stuff. And, and at that point, they departed from him. Same thing with us. Trying to, we say, boy, this is a hard word. What's this mean? God will explain it and speak if we'll allow him. But many leave him at that point and say this is too difficult. God is God, and we're not. We know that. And we must obey him, and he'll give us grace, and he will be. But he won't force you to do anything. It's on our own volition. It's on our own free will that we have. We can have and allow the influence of the Holy Spirit to dictate what comes out of this mouth because it talks of the word in James. It's like that tongue is like a rudder to the ship. I mean, the, 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 the mouth can, can bless and it can curse, right? It's powerful. It can bless you or it can curse you, curse people, curse things. And God is saying today that he wants to control your mouth. He wants to control what comes in your ears. He wants to control what comes into your mind. You can cast it out. But he wants our cooperation to be able to do that. We just can't go out there and say, well, Lord, you just do what you want to do. It takes our cooperation to be able to walk in the Spirit. And that's what we're called to do. Therefore, there's no condemnation now for those that are in Christ Jesus here. So, so how do we experience the daily victory that's provided for us by this great salvation? Number one, we acknowledge 
that only Christ in us can bring it about. The second thing is we recognize the right standing before God that he has provided us with a gift. And then also the third thing is we rely upon the power and influence of the Holy Spirit to be greater than the influence of sin. You can say no to sin. You do not have the sin. But he said if you do, you have an advocate and you confess it to him. But you don't have the sin. We don't have to do that. We stumble and fall. And God says if you don't sin, then obviously you make him out to be a liar because you will sin. But he no, don't have to. So to begin by saying that I am not condemned because I'm in Christ Jesus, right? Can you say it with me? I am not condemned because I am in Christ Jesus. Let's say it again. I am not condemned because I am in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's declaring it to the heavenlies. The enemy hears it. And so when you speak it, there's like power released when that takes place. Something, the word spoken audibly, it obviously fills our spiritual man, our innermost being, but also declares to the heavenlies that I am not condemned. Because I am in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, in verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Nothing else you get out of this is realized. There's nothing you can do to somehow maintain your salvation, okay? I believe in the eternal security of the believer. I believe if you're saved, then you may say something, you may get out of his will, and you may go in the wrong direction, and there will be, obviously, discipline. God disciplines you, okay? But you're still not condemned. You're a child of God. If you're a child of God, and you've been engrafted into the vine, you've been born again of the Spirit of God, I don't believe there's anything you can do to lose your salvation. You will be disciplined, and there'll be discipline. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 where he says, if you're not disciplined, you're not uh, considered sons of God. You will, we will be disciplined. It's different than what you think. God gives a lot of grace during that time of discipline. But you're not condemned because we all will sin. We've all, the Bible says, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We will stumble. But remember this, you're not condemned. Don't receive what the devil tells you. You know, you just obviously just, you blew it for the last time. You're out of here. God's out of here in your life. That's not true. That's a lie. God loves people. He gave his only begotten son and to hang on a cross and, and to lay in a grave and to rise up. Then obviously he'll go to great length to save those who are way out here. He leaves the 99. You know that song we sang with Mark and, and Kim and the girls last week. He leaves the 99, and he comes after the one. And when he finds that one, he's left the 99, remember, and he takes that one, and he puts that one on his shoulders, the sheep, puts him on his shoulders and brings him back and all. And then the question is sometimes people say, well, what, about, what happens to the 99 over there? What are they? Are they? I mean, what about them and so forth? What about them? He goes after the one. And you want to know the truth about it? Is you were that one and so was I. And Jesus took and re reached out and got us here. And he put us on his shoulders and he brought us back, you see. 
It's how much he loves you. And, and today, if you've not received Christ in your heart, or maybe your, your relationship with Jesus, maybe you have, and, and you're no condemnation, but maybe you're floundering in that relationship. Today may be the day that God just says, come back, come on home, come back home to me, child. I want you to enter into the inheritance that I have for you. I want you to know that you're okay. You're in my kingdom. I want you to know that I love you. In Romans 15, I believe that what we will see happening as we see this move of God, and I'll share it with you. In Romans 15, and uh, looking at verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles obedience. In other words, they saw the obedience of Paul's life. And he says, by word and by deed, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and as far around as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Many times we've forgotten that word by the miracles, by the deeds, not just by word, but also by deed. We want to see these things. People are looking. Jesus demonstrated these things when he was on earth to obviously show he was the son of God. People are looking for a powerful God, a God who will deliver them, a God who, who can do anything. And they see that. Some will obviously want the excitement and so forth, but there will be those that will receive Christ because of that. Again, I mentioned this some time ago. I remember reading about the revival in Argentina in South America. And I remember reading that actually what was happening, the Pentecostals were there and they were seeing the miracles of God. They were preaching the word, the gospel, but they were seeing the miracles along with it. And they were coming to the Lord in multitudes. And that revival, I don't know whether or not it sort of kind of has uh, diminished or what in Argentina. That's been some years ago. But we need to be able to know and go out and pray for the sick and know that we believe in healing. We've got to know that when we pray to go with confidence and know that God will do something to bless people because of his nature, who he is here. But we've got to believe God. You know, one of the great things, and I'll share this and then, then we'll close. Uh, I love this. First uh, Samuel 14. I've shared this before. It's about Jonathan, and uh, who was Saul's son, and his armor bearer. bearer. And I'll look at verse 6 and 7. And Jonathan said to the young man, Come and cross over, and let us cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will work for us, for the Lord is not limited to save by many or by few. And the armor bearer said to him, The 
life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source uh, and root of your life. Then you'll be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you're filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dreams and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ and all that will yet be manifest through time and eternity amen never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will infinitely achieve more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He'll outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. <laughs> Our God. Jesus. He'll outdo them all. <laughs> That's why Jonathan and his armor bearer could go up and say, let's go up, let's take them. And they were huge, they were big. Army, let's go up, we can take them. They had courage. And they believed God's word over what they had been somehow maybe influenced by or maybe even their past or whatever. You see, we all have past. But God is saying, don't let allow that past to hinder you. It's under the blood. You have a past. Just know he doesn't bring it up again. He sees you and me like he sees Jesus. He sees the same righteousness in me and you as believers that he sees in Jesus. There's nothing that's impossible with our God. Believe it. Walk in it. And have the freedom that he desires for all of us, his children not in bondage because therefore there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus let's pray together father thank you for your word your truth thank you for your presence here today and God we come before you <clears throat> we're wide open Lord asking you even today impart supernatural courage in this church in each life Holy Spirit of God I ask you to impart that come and rest upon every person here and move and impart that supernatural courage that you and you alone can give. Help us not to think things that are contrary to the way our God thinks. Because we want to have, we have the mind of Christ. We want to think the way you think. And your thinking is love towards all of mankind. And we want to love the way you love. We want to love you, Lord, with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. We want to love you. 
And so, Holy Spirit, come and work in this church. Pour yourself out here, oh God. Show us your glory. Move like never before. And no longer will people just say, well, those people have gone back to their religious ceremonies. We don't want ceremonies. We want celebration. And it's because of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, today, if there be anyone here who's never received Christ or want to just renew, refresh and their, their walk with Jesus, today would be the day you can just say, I want Christ in my heart. I want that. And I, I want to love the way Jesus loved. I, I'm in a world of hate. And I don't want to stay in the same place as the world. I'm not. I've come out of the world. I'm in, obviously in the world, but I'm not of the world. I pray if there be anybody here just says, I need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit of God. Just today would be the day. Saying, Lord, fill us afresh. Great things are happening. The church is rising up to take its place to where you desire. And we believe today that the mighty move of the Spirit of God across this land is now beginning to move and beginning to touch people's lives, bringing them into the kingdom of God. Do that today, Lord. We give you the praise. Any healing today, relationships being mended, coming back together under the banner of Christ, I just pray that to happen. Release your spirit here today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.